Welcome to the National Community Church Podcast. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend's message with you. You can find us on national.cc or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Listen, guys, sometimes I think back and I got to laugh about the first and the last time that I tried to run away from home. <laughs> Oh, let me tell y'all a little bit about it. I remember it very clearly. Um, I remember it was the summertime. I remember that I was either in middle school or just about to start middle school. So so cut me some slack, y'all. That's a very special season of life right there, all right? Can anybody testify to that? And I can't quite remember the exact circumstances that led to me making this big decision. Most likely my mom had disciplined me for something. Maybe she took my flip phone. Um, Some of y'all remember those. Maybe my Nintendo 64 got taken away, unplugged out the wall. It was probably my fault. I did something. But I don't know exactly happened, but whatever it was, it caused me to say to myself, that's it. I'm out of here. You know what? See you when I see you. Wouldn't want to be a deuces. I had made up my mind. So this is what I did. I packed my bags. And when I say bags, I mean my one Lion King book bag, and I stuffed it with all the essentials that a young man would need on his journey. So I went, I got two juice boxes, I got me a a pack of Pop-Tarts. Why? Because, you know, a man's got to eat, right, 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 got to eat. And then I stuffed my bag filled with like a whole bunch of toys, and I thought I was good for the journey. I was like, we're straight, we're ready to go. Although I love my family, I had to draw the line somewhere. I had to roll out. My mind was made up. The situation just wasn't working out for sixth grade, Colin. But me being the mature young man that I was, I didn't want to go out on bad terms with my mom and dad. So, you know what, guys? You never want to burn any bridges. So here's what I did. I marched in my parents' room. I think my dad was at work, but my mom was in there. Oh, great. The scary one is here. Okay. And I looked at her, and I made my big announcement. I said, Mama... I love you, but I'm running away from home. And you know what she said? She looked at me. She said, oh, really? Oh. Room got a little dark. Half of me was expecting her to beg me to stay. But um, she just looked at me. It was basically like, okay, well, um, I'll tell your dad you said bye. Uh, I guess I'll see you around. Wait, what? What kind of parenting is that, mom? My mom's in the back, too, so I'm going to probably be in trouble after this. (laughs) That wasn't the response I was quite expecting, y'all. But it only got worse for little old Colin. As I turned to leave, um, my mom says, hey, listen, you can go, but all my stuff has got to stay. Wait, what are you talking about, mom? This is my book bag. These are my toys. She said, oh, really? No, let me see that bag. Those juice boxes, did you, did you buy those? You don't have any money. I know you didn't buy those. She took them out the bag. What about those Pop-Tarts? I know you didn't pay for those. Give me those. And those toys, I bought you all those toys. Dump them out. Y'all, by the time I walked out that door, I had a water bottle, one Pop-Tart, and probably a toy that I'd snuck in my pocket. I only made it to the end of the street. Every neighbor I passed on the way down the street, I was telling them, hey, y'all, I'm running away from home. And you know what my neighbors, they all knew my family. all knew my parents. They just laughed at me and said, do Michelle and Nikki know? I was like, yeah, I told him, I'm out. He was like, all right. (laughs) 
To make a long story short, the next 30 minutes of my life felt like three weeks. I ran out of water and Pop-Tart singular in the first five minutes. It was extremely hot, like I'm sweating bullets. And it's like, usually all the kids were outside playing. There were no kids outside to play with. It didn't take me long to come to my senses. I had to go home. Do y'all know when I walked back up that street 30 minutes later, I turned the knob to get in the house. My mom had locked the door. She had to lock the door. I had to ring the doorbell, knock, come on, let me in, let me in. And when she finally opened the door, there she found little old Colin, hungry, weary, tired, broken down from that long journey, and sweaty, okay, because I said it was hot. And she looked at me and she said, get back in this house where you belong. <laughs> Man, I stepped in that house. I felt that air conditioning. I smelled dinner cooking. I was like, oh, this is my Wizard of Oz moment. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Home, back home where I belonged, where I was fully seen as my crazy self, fully known by my loving parents, and fully loved in spite of all that. Do me a favor right now. Turn to your neighbor, and this may be stretching for some of you guys. Turn to your neighbor, and I want you to say, just like I said, say, we in the house. Now, listen, some of y'all are too proper, so you can turn to your neighbor and say, we are in the house. <laughs> Did that feel better when you said it proper? I'm so glad. <laughs> oh, man. For the past couple of weeks, we've been in the Welcome Home series. And can I just say, whether you're in the room right now, whether you're online, like, I am so glad. We are so glad you're here. Um, whether you call NCC your, your home church or if you're just visiting for a week, it's by no accident that you are in this space, you're in this place, you're in this moment right now, right here in the house. A shout out to our online community right now. Everybody online, look at me, look at me. This is what I need you to do to show me that we're on the same page. I want you to drop that house emoji in the chat. Drop a couple houses. It may take a few, a few minutes to find it, but drop that house emoji. Let me know you're in the house. So the past two weeks... In the Welcome Home series, we've been talking about a place of worship and a place of prayer. And I believe that God has given me a specific word on a place of belonging. Um, everybody say belonging. And it would make sense. When I, when I think about belonging or try to wrap my mind around belonging, I usually go to the location part of that. Like, where do I belong? Like, where would you have, like, where, the location. But before we get to the where today, I want to start with the who. In 1995, a movie came out that completely changed the game, and it blew my mind, all right? The movie was the first of its kind. It was the first entirely computer-animated film, and it looked like nothing I'd seen before, all right? Directed by John Lasseter, produced by Pixar Animation Studios, released by Walt Disney uh, Pictures. Um, and I recently found out this film was produced, executive produced by Steve Jobs. You guessed it. I'm talking about the classic film that nobody in here should hate on, Toy Story. Can I get a witness? Anybody? Does anybody have a Toy Story testimony? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> the film that year would go on to gross over $373 million. It was nominated for three Academy Awards. Um, it has 100% uh, rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter, 100%. And I found it interesting that it was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. 
Uh, my six or seven year old self who first saw it would have just described it as the bomb. That movie was fire. <laughs> now, really quickly, let me, let me sum it up. The movie is all about, um, let's make it churchy. The movie is all about a community of toys. <laughs> it was about a bunch of toys, y'all. There we go. I don't know. NCC Youth tonight. I want to see you there. There we go. So it's about a bunch of toys, this community of toys of all different kinds, all different sizes, different ages, different brands, different abilities. But they all shared something that bonded them. And that was the fact that they belonged to Andy. Right? They were Andy's toys. And Andy would do this thing where he would write his name on the bottom of each toy shoe to show him that he loved them. He would write his name on the bottom of the shoe of his favorite toys. <clears throat> on the one hand, Andy's name is a sign of ownership, right? He wanted to let people know, like, these are my toys. Like, don't, these are mine, okay? But it also was a clear symbol of his love and affection. Andy loved these toys so much that he marked them as his own. As a matter of fact, in the movie, we see that his name written on those toys, will remind them of how special they were to him. There's actually a moment in, in the movie, and then I'll be done talking about cartoons. <laughs> There's a moment in the movie where Buzz is in a situation. Buzz Lightyear, he's, he's downtrodden, he's depressed, he's in a hopeless situation. But what lifts him out of that moment is that he looks down at the name that is written on his shoe. It reminds him of who he is, and it uplifts him out of that troubled time. Psalms 100 verse 3 says this. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The Lord is God right there. When we look at the translation in Hebrew, it's translated into the phrase, Yahweh is Elohim. All right. It's like a two-part thing. Yahweh is representing the name of God that was revealed in his covenant relationship with his people. And then Elohim speaks to his power. So it's like painting this picture like the all-powerful God of the universe, the one who created the heavens and the earth, wants a relationship with his people. It's kind of hard to wrap my mind around that sometimes when I think. In Isaiah 43, God reminds the nation of Israel who they belong to. Verse 1, he says, but now, O Jacob... Listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. First Corinthians, Paul sends a reminder out to, to the church and some believers. And he says in chapter 3, verse 23, you belong to Christ. And Christ belongs to you. Listen, to the person who may be here today, maybe you're sitting in the room, maybe you're online, but you've been pondering, you've been questioning, questioning you've been wondering, you've been wrestling with the, the question of where do I belong? I just remind you that before you wrestle with the where, you have to know who you belong to. We belong to God. We bear his name. We belong to God. We bear his name. I, I, I love Priscilla, how Priscilla Schreier puts it. And she talks about, she describes, on, she describes the God that we belong to. And she, she put it like this. He is the first and the last, 
the beginning and the end, the keeper of creation, the creator of all things, the architect of the universe, the manager of all time. He always was, always is, always will be unmoved, unchanged, and undefeated. That's who you belong to. Like, what? That's who you and I belong to? Get a good look at God. Get a good look at God for who he is. Try to wrap your mind around the fact that God being so big, so mighty, so great, so, so above all things, he still invites us into belonging where we experience his love, his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his kindness. I could go on and on and on and on. Somebody tap your neighbor on the shoulder and say, I belong to Jesus. I looked at y'all. Nobody tapped anybody on the shoulder. Oh, y'all not listening. <laughs> I'm just playing. It's okay. I understand. Listen, to put it plainly, when I say that you and I belong to God, I'm saying that we have been welcomed into his family because of what Jesus has done. It speaks to the spirit of adoption. Romans 8, verse 14 through 16 says this. For all those led by God's spirit are children of God. Everybody say children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Mm. This passage speaks... Um, and what it's saying is if we walk according to the Spirit, as we're walking with God, we prove ourselves to be God's sons and daughters. Not only are we his sons and daughters, but it says we are adopted into his family. We are the adopted children of God. Listen, if a person was adopted in Paul's time, that individual immediately received all the rights of an adult heir. They immediately received the adult's excuse me, the rights of an adult heir. And what that passage is kind of getting at, the right that we're talking about in this passage Paul is mentioning the right to have intimacy with God. It uses this term, Abba, Father. That's like an intimate term. It's similar to crying out like Papa or Daddy. It's like we have been given the right to be so close and near to our Heavenly Father. We are the children of God. While we're talking about that word belonging, let me just wrap it up for 10 seconds. I believe in this room today there is somebody in here who may be fighting a battle. You may be fighting for battle for your family, for your mind, for your convictions, for, for your health. I keep getting caught up on this word belonging. I want to remind you today that that battle doesn't belong to you. That battle doesn't belong to you. It never did. Let me just encourage you to release that battle into God's hand. The battle belongs to the Lord. And last time I checked... My God is undefeated. My God is still on the throne. My God is all-powerful. You got to remember who that battle belongs to. I'm sorry. I'm getting off. I'm getting off. Let me get back to my notes. We've talked about who we belong to and who we are. Now let's get to the where. I know that's the part that we all, we all want to get to. Where do I belong? And we're going to look to Luke chapter 15. And it talks about the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. If we start in verse 1, it says that all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. So everybody was gathering around Jesus to hear what he had to say. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining. And they said, this man welcomes sinners? 
He's even sitting down eating with them like, you're welcoming sinners? And I just love how Jesus, like, breaks it down. He just knows how to shut them up and, like, drop like a bomb, like, boom, there it is, right? So he does that in verse 11. He uses a couple of parables. In verse 11, we get to the third one that we're talking about. And verse 11 says this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of my estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between the sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. Everybody say distant. So the son got what he wanted, and then as soon as he got what he wanted, he, he made some space in between him and the father. He said, I'm out of here. There was a great distance in between him and his father. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. That's right, Jesus. I can't starve out here, y'all. <laughs> He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but nobody gave him anything. This next verse is what kind of, like, paused me in my tracks. Like, it says in verse 17, it says, but when he came to his senses... When he came to his senses, when he came into his right mind, I imagine the son had a moment to himself like, he's like sitting with the pigs and nobody's getting, he's starving. He's like, what in the world am I doing here? Like, this is, this is not where I belong. This is not who I am. This is not where I'm supposed to be. There's no way. I don't belong here. Let me ask you guys this question. Have you ever found yourself in a place that had you wondering, like, what in the world am I doing here? And I want to frame it like this. Maybe you were in a space where, you know what, you decided that you were going to do things your own way. You decided, you know what, I'm going to put some distance in between myself and the father. I'm not going to be concerned with my father, what's going on in his house. That ain't got nothing to do with me. I'm going to be over here doing my thing, and the next thing you know, You are in a spot, you're in a place, you're like, what in the world? This is not where I belong. Maybe you ended up in a wrong environment, a wrong friend group. Maybe it was a wrong train of thought, a wrong relationship. I don't know what it could be for you. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired hands have food enough to spare. What am I doing out here dying of hunger? So I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Man, I can testify today that there have been moments in my life where, man, I've gotten it so wrong. I've gotten it so wrong to the point where I'm thinking to myself, you know what, there is no way that God is going to, like, forgive me for this. That God is going to see me like how he saw me, like, a couple weeks ago because of this. There's no way that God's love can be like... Like, what? I've I've messed up too bad. Like, I've been too distant. I've been so unattached from my father. There's no way. And this is the part I love. Verse 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off. While he was still a long way off. His father 
saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. I'm not going to run across the stage, but I want to. All right. He ran to his son. He embraced him and kissed him. Verse 21, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But look at the father's reaction. It wasn't something that I think that we would normally expect. But the father said to his servant, quick, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Get a ring and put it on his finger. Get some sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. Why? For my son, this son of mine, was dead. And now he has returned back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And then it says, so the party began. I want to know what was on that playlist that night. It's probably crazy. They were probably going crazy in there, right? This son of mine was dead. And now he's returned back to life. In verse 23, 22, we see a beautiful picture of salvation, of restoration. How God the Father, instead of responding the way that we could have expected, he responds with love and compassion. Thank you, Father, that when I was messed up, when I was, when I was just so distant from you, as some of us would say, when I was toe up from the flow up, God, you still looked at me when I came back into my right mind. You still accepted me with open arms. You didn't even wait for me to make it all the way to your doorstep, but you ran after me with open arms. Thank you, God. When I was at my worst, you were still good. When I was at my lowest, you were still up on high, God. Thank you, Father, for showing the love that you have showed to me. My God, I feel like in this passage, we learn a lot about where we belong as the children of God. And let's put it like this. We belong in close proximity to the Father and the Father's house. I'll say it one more time. We belong in close proximity to the Father and the Father's house. If we look at that story, we see the lost son. He, he said he went to a distant land. He had so much space. He made a great distance in between him, his father, and his father's house. That's not where we belong as the children of God. Ephesians 2.13 says this. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I'm so thankful today for the blood. I'm so thankful today for the blood. It's like we're talking about that proximity. It's like talking about that closeness. It's like living a life that says, I want to be close to you, God. I want to be close to your heart. I want to be close to your relationship. I want to be close to you in, in your word, God. I, I want to dwell in the shelter of the most high God. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. There's no place I'd rather be than close to my father. Listen, y'all, if y'all know me, if you're part of my friend group, I got some friends in here today. We're, we're all friends, right? There we go. <laughs> If you know me, you know I'm a homebody, all right? If you don't know what a homebody is, everybody say homebody. homebody. I'm introducing you to a new term because some of y'all looked at homebody. What's up? Oh. What a homebody is is I like to be home. Maybe I'm getting old or something, but if you invite me out, I'm going to, like, reply, oh, yeah, cool. But in my mind, I'm like, oh, my God. 
want to stay home. The good thing about having kids is when you're a homebody, you can just blame it on the kids. I can't make it. But it's the idea that, like, I'm a homebody. I want to be at home with the Father. I want to be in the Father's house, surrounded by the things of God, in God's presence. Because uh, you know what? As a children, that's, that should be where we're most comfortable. When we're outside, when we are distant from God, you know what? It should feel uncomfortable. You should feel something tapping your shoulder like uh, your spidey senses, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit, <laughs> Should be like tap you on the shoulder like, hold up, this, this, this is not where you belong. Go home. Right? When you're in close proximity to the Father, it's so much easier to answer the question of where do I belong on a day-to-day. When you're close to the Father, it's so much easier to trust his, trust his GPS. Right? God's positioning system. Right? God's positioning system. It's freeing to be able to rely and trust on God's positioning system and know that the Father is preparing a place for you. So when you have that, you, I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to stress about it. I just have to seek him first and trust that he's going to put me in the places and the spaces that I belong. Yeah. Listen, y'all, I have no idea what to do or how to get around without my GPS on my phone, my app. Listen, I don't know how y'all did it using maps. Y'all were just like, Phew. Just cracking open maps on the road. Y'all are a wild bunch. Like, <laughs> Listen, I still miss turns when I have the GPS plugged in. Like, I get distracted. I'm like, oh, I missed a turn. Don't swerve, right? But my favorite one is Waze. Anybody have Waze? Ooh, it's hashtag Waze in the chat. Let me tell you what I like about Waze, y'all. Of course, you know, you do all the normal GPS things. You put in your destination where you're headed to. Um, and, you know, some, some satellites high in the sky, you know, they have a different perspective of your situation or where you're trying to get to. Some of y'all are tracking with me. Um, but what I like so much about Waze is that it also allows input from other people who are on the same journey as you. That one hit hard, huh? Y'all like that? All right. <laughs> it also allows... People who are on the same journey as you to put some, some things and put some information in. For example, um, uh, in four miles, there's a pothole to the left. Actually, every mile in D.C., there's a pothole on the left. Uh, or in 0.5 miles, there's a police officer car. He's parked in a bush. There's no way you're going to be able to see him, but I got you. Slow down. <laughs> Or there's a traffic jam coming up. So you know what? Take this exit. If you don't, like that line is red. You're going to be sitting in traffic for three hours. But it allows people who are on the same journey as you, maybe they're a little ahead of you or maybe somewhere behind, but allows them to really come alongside you and assist you as you are on your journey. Part of belonging in the Father's house is belonging in community. Everybody say community. All right. We need each other. As the children of God, we need each other. On this journey, you need me and I need you. I need someone to tell me about what they experienced when they made that turn. I need someone who will testify to what happened to them when they decided to trust God. I need someone to warn me about the hard times. I need somebody to celebrate me in the victory. I need someone who drives a lot better than I can to help me navigate some of this traffic, to help me avoid some of these 
accidents to help prevent me from turning back around and going back to where I started. Listen, we all come in here with different ideas of church. But I would say to you today that church is not an organization you join. It is a family where you belong. A home where you are loved and a hospital where you find healing. A family you belong, a home where you are loved, and a hospital where you find healing. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2 says this. Therefore, since we have such a large crowd of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Have you ever been run like first of all, raise your hand if you like running? Oh, you guys are crazy. <laughs> Have you ever been running and you felt like you just wanted to quit? That's me every time I run. That's enough. If someone draws alongside you and encourages you to keep going, it enables you to go further than you could have managed on your own. It shifts your focus from the pain you may be feeling. It shifts your focus to the person who's helping you out. And guess what? You get that second win. Listen, I, I know Pastor Mark, he's always training for something. He's like so fit. He's like, yeah, about to bike across the world. I'll be back. Colin, can you preach this week? Like, I'm just fine. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. I'm sorry. All right. Listen, y'all, that's not me, but real quick, um, the, my biggest training moment in my life, um, it had the, the perfect motivation. I was about to get married. And to be honest, y'all, I just wanted to look good for my wife when I got married, y'all. And um, what I did was I knew that I'm the type of person, if I start running, I'm going to quit real quick. So what I did was I, I called a couple of my brothers called a couple of my boys. One of them's in the building today. I'm not going to show. But yeah, Reggie, he's over here. Anyway. <laughs> but what we did was we kind of formed this, this bond, this, 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 this pack together. Like, hey, listen, I see where you're trying to go. I'm trying to go that same way too. You know what? Let's come together. Let's unite. Let's lift each other up in this. So what we did was we decided to consistently work out. Consistently get out there and run. And there was this, there's this, this, this path, this stretch of like two miles. And on this stretch was a big hill. I hated that hill. It was like the type of hill, like if people start getting too far ahead of you on the run, you just wait till they're out of sight and you just start walking. One of those. But as we stay consistent, as we continue to lift each other up, as time went on and we grew closer together as brothers in this process, going after the goal, on this journey, on this path, there was something crazy that happened. It kind of speaks to this verse when we're talking about running the race. There will be moments where me and, the, and my brothers would be in sync. It's like we would be coming up that hill and it's like, We'd be in a row and our steps would be on the same rhythm. Our feet would be in line. Like maybe we had some music playing and, you know, Reggie would start singing or something. I don't know. It was weird. But basically we would be in sync with our direction, in sync with our pace. And before you know it, that race and that run didn't feel like much of a run at all. Because I fed off their energy. I was able to be encouraged and encourage them those miles and that, that run just flew by. It's kind of the idea that we're talking about. In this life, you're going to need people to come alongside you as you run the race. You're going to need people to come alongside you and help you keep your eyes on Jesus. And when those eyes get off of Jesus, hey, hey, back over here, bro. You need people like that in your life. 
You belong in a community where you can GPS, where you can grow, where you're being prayed for and prayed over, and where you're able to serve in the Father's house. You belong in a community where you can grow, where you're being prayed for and prayed over, and we can serve in the Father's house. We belong in community. And if I'm being guys, I believe that place is here. I believe that could be that place for you now. Like I said, my mom is here. I know, like, she's going to be back at her home church singing on worship team. So this, you know, that's her place. <laughs> but I'm not even necessarily talking about a specific building or a specific room. Like, I pray that you're here. I pray that you get plugged in uh, to Alpha or Beloved 101 or Commission or NCC Youth. Yeah, come on down. But what I, I care about more is that you are just plugged in to God's kingdom in some house, God's house somewhere. That you're in community somewhere. Yes. Worship team, you guys can start coming up. You can start coming up. You can start coming up. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Everybody say new. new. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone, and the new life has come. Listen, can I just make a pronouncement over your life right now? You belong here. How do I know that? Because you're here right now. From the front of the room to the back, from the most educated to the least educated, from the person who everybody knows, like to the person who you think nobody in this room knows my name, you belong. You belong. I'm confident because I belong to Christ. I know who I belong to. I belong to him so wherever he puts me, he promised to see me through. Last thing I'm going to share. You guys can. Part of my story, part of my testimony, real quick. I'm going to make it real, real quick. February 28th, 1990, the cutest baby in the world, <laughs> um, Colin, that was me, at the time, at the time. I don't still hold the record. At six months years old, I was adopted out of the greater southeast Washington Hospital Center. So it's always been easy for me to question my belongings. My belonging. Like I had a wonderful family, like so blessed. But it's always been easy for me to question, like, where do I belong here? Like how like how could I belong here? Like even there are moments on this stage where I'm over here preaching, I'm like, like, what in the world, God? Like, do I belong here? Maybe it's different for you. Like maybe it's like your question, do you belong with your family or do you belong in the place that he's positioned you? But I've always struggled with, you know, as I've gotten older, like, where do I belong? Like, do I belong? And you know what God said to me in that moment? He's been telling me over and over again, Colin, I need you to get a godly perspective of how I have been placing you in places, in spaces where you belong. Even when you couldn't see. Let me tell you guys this. Listen, long before I first, me and my wife first came to NCC, 
long, long, long time ago, back in the day. I don't want to age them. But the parents who were going to adopt me met on the same block. Their first date was on the same block as the Miracle Theater. And I would just randomly show up, like, years and years and years later, like, oh, this church is cool. Like, that guy got healed from his asthma and they have donuts? I belong here. Here's what's even crazier. This building right here, long before I was even thought about, I had a praying grandmother whose family I was being adopted into. She worked in this very building when it was a government annex building. To the person who's your questioning, your questioning, where do I belong? Where do I belong, God? Where would you have me, guys? You gotta remember you belong to God. You gotta remember that you belong in close proximity to the Father in His house. You belong in community. We need each other. Like God has been telling me, Colin, listen, it was me all along. It's always been me. It'll always be me. I just need you to relax, sit back, and just see what I've done. See what I'm doing. Trust me. And I will place you where you belong. Can we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just, in the name of Jesus, God, I just ask that your word would just marinate in this room, God. God, we just ask for a fresh anointing to fall in this place today, Heavenly Father, God. Change us, rearrange us, change our mindset, change how we see things, change the questions we have, shift us from where do I belong to, where, Father, where would you have me? Move, oh God, oh great God that you are, God. We are your people. We stand in your house. We wait on your word, Jesus. I think it might be time for some of us to come home today. I think it may be time that some of us who have been far off, who have been so distant, so far off, to come home. Guess what? The Father is welcoming. He's waiting on you with open arms. God, we love you today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.